I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. In Christian circles, we may encounter teachings that are intended to guide and nurture our faith, but sometimes have unintended consequences. One of the discussions that has been reported to do that is the one that is around sex and purity. If not approached with care, this topic can inadvertently create shame and anxiety around sexuality. This week's guest is Sheila Ray Gregoire, and she joins us with data from an all-new survey of more than 7,000 women that reveals how their experience in church as teens affects their self-esteem and relationships today. In her new book called She Deserves Better, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic Teachings on Sex, Self, and Speaking Up, Sheila changes the evangelical conversation about sex and marriage to line up with kingdom principles. I found this to be an incredibly insightful conversation for myself as a mom of girls, but also as a mom of a boy. So no matter what gender your children are, this is an important episode for you. Just a warning, if little ears are listening, you may want to put on your earbuds or save this to listen to later. Hello, Sheila. It is incredible to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Oh gosh, knitting, <laughs> knitting, <laughs> knitting and bird watching. Yeah. I actually have stuff that my great grandmother knit and my mother knit, my grandmother knit, my daughter's knit. I'm always knitting. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's genetic. Yeah. Does your husband knit? <laughs> no, my son-in-law <laughs> knit a hat once though. One of my sons-in-law. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And bird watching. There are a lot of birds. You're in Canada, Ontario, yes. correct? Yeah. There are a lot of birds that you enjoy watching. What time of the year do you usually see them? You know, we live at one of the 10 best bird watching places in North America because oh, we're wow. on the north side of Lake Ontario. So the birds, when they're migrating, they get really tired coming north. And so they stop. Oh. <laughs> so during migration in May is like a great time around here. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Because all the birds that are heading up north to the Arctic come on uh-huh. through. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start from the beginning because I read your first book, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. You, mm-hmm. you had a blog for a long time that I followed. You came out with this book. So I want to know, how did you get started talking about this topic? Because this is not a popular topic, meaning that yes. like I can find tons of women out there talking about routines and self-care and you know all the other kind of things that, that seem to trend. But this mm-hmm. one, I mean, you are still talking about this, which I love. So how did you get started doing this? It wasn't intentional. Like nobody thinks to themselves, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to become the sex expert. Like that's just <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> and when I started blogging, I was in that mommy blogging sphere mm-hmm. where you are talking about, yeah, organizing and routines and housework and parenting and marriage. And But what I found was that the more I talked about sex, the more my traffic grew. And so I kind of got in that space without meaning to. Uh-huh. Because it just seemed like there was such a, every yeah, every time I talked about it, there were so many comments, so many follow-up emails. And so I just kept writing more and more to answer people's questions. And then it, it just became that. And so since then, so that's been about the first, the first version of The Great Sex Rescue, or sorry, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex was out in 2012. And I just rewrote it last year. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so wow. 2012, that was like 10 years, 11 years ago. Yeah. 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 What was your most popular question? Like what was the most common thing that you heard from women at that time? Well, I think the big problem that a lot of women have is they just don't desire it. Like they just don't have a libido. And so, Mm. you know, it's like, how do I want sex more? And I talked about that a lot. We looked at it from all angles. And Mm. what I finally realized, and this is where everything took a bit of a U-turn in my, in my ministry was in 2019, I started reading some of the other Christian books about sex and marriage, which I had never done before because I was always afraid of plagiarizing. So I'm in this space and I'm assuming they love Jesus. I love Jesus. We're all saying the same thing. Right. but I read the books and I realized, oh my goodness, we're not saying the same thing because, you know, I I started with the book Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. And he said, if your husband is typical, he has a need you don't have. Mm. So sex isn't a woman's thing. He has a need for physical release. Well, you need emotional release. I don't even know what emotional release is. Like that's right. weird, but whatever. And if a husband doesn't get physical release, he'll come under satanic attack and have an affair. So it was just framing sex in this really negative way, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought maybe this is why women don't want yeah. sex. So that's when we started our big research projects. And, yeah. and uh, I remember you having conversations on Twitter about that. I kind of followed yeah. some of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we came out with a great sex rescue two years ago mm-hmm. based on a survey of 20,000 women to see if there are certain evangelical teachings that actually lower women's marital and sexual satisfaction and how can oh, we wow. get back to what God really wanted. And right. now, and after that book, everyone was saying, okay, this set me free, but I have no idea what to What's say to my next? kids now. Oh, yeah. what, what do I say to my kids now? Like, I don't, I want them to grow up with a healthy view of sex and I want them to have healthy marriages. But And I know that purity culture ideas messed me up. I know a lot of these ideas messed me up, but I don't know what to say now because I don't Mm -hmm. want them to be totally promiscuous, but, but, but what do we do? And so that's what, that's what our new book is. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, All right. So then go ahead and let's, like you mentioned the purity culture. I mean, I grew up, it wasn't really strong in my church. Like we didn't do the ring thing. We didn't do the commitment thing, the dance. I mean, like I've heard stories. And so I I get that. Um, Mm -hmm. But but let's talk about some of those teachings that have backfired on people mm-hmm. that people are really struggling with kind of like post now. Okay, I'm married now. You know, this yeah. is on the table and I just don't know what to, like, let's talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. So what we did for She Deserves Better, which is our new book, is we we interviewed or we surveyed 7,000 women and then did a bunch of interviews and focus groups to mm-hmm. find out what experiences and messages they heard as teenagers affected them long term. So how did it affect their marriages? How did it affect their self-esteem, their sex lives, whatever? And yeah, there was a bunch of things that we found were really harmful. And if I could summarize it, I think any time that you tell a girl that she is responsible for keeping a boy from sinning. Mm. you do tremendous harm. And we did that in a whole variety of different ways. We did it with the modesty message. So you need to dress in a way that won't cause him to lust. We did it with purity messages. You know, boys will be boys. They can't help themselves. They have Mm -hmm. a much higher sex drive. So they're going to be the ones who are going to be pushing your boundaries and you need to to be the one to stop them. Mm -hmm. And and then we do it with married women too. We tell we tell married women you need to have sex a lot so he doesn't watch pornography or so he doesn't so he doesn't lust. And whenever you give women these messages that you, that he, you are responsible for keeping him from sinning, 
And your body can even be something which can, which is dangerous to other people. Uh Then we do a lot of damage to women's self-esteem, to their sexuality, to everything. Yeah. And what are we telling boys in this regard? What's the message? (laughs) Well, you know, with boys, what we, we, we do a disservice to boys too. And we've done, we've done a large survey of men that really showed this for our book, The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. But Uh basically what we do with guys is we tell them from the time they're 13 and 14 that all men struggle with lust. It's every man's uh-huh. battle. Uh-huh. Uh, you're going to be tempted to watch pornography and you need to stop. You need to bounce your eyes. You need to never look at women. You need to be careful where your eyes go because you can lust so easily. And what we do with boys is we conflate noticing with lusting. Mm. And so boys okay. feel like I am in a completely hopeless situation. Because when we tell boys that if you find a girl attractive, you've now crossed a line because now you're really tempted to lust. And as soon as you get on that temptation, it's going to happen. So they have to go through life with blinders on because Uh it's impossible. And a much healthier way to talk about it is, hey, you know what? You're going to have sexual feelings. You got hormones going in you. It's Uh normal to have sexual feelings. And that's okay. But what you need to do is learn how to treat everybody that you meet as a whole person made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And you can do that by focusing on them as a person, not as body parts. And that's yeah. totally attainable. And just noticing that someone is attractive or noticing that they have a nice figure does not mean you've lusted. Right. Lusted is less, you know, Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman with lust. So he doesn't say whoever sees a woman. He doesn't say whoever notices a woman. He doesn't even say whoever looks at a woman. Mm-hmm. It's whoever looks at a woman with lust. Yeah. Because Jesus looked at women. Jesus sat down and had long conversations with women in which he was really engaged with them. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of not looking or not being with women. It's just learning, hey, I can see you as a whole person. And that is attainable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between shame and healthy boundaries? Because I do believe that sex is meant for marriage. But Mm -hmm. what's what's the difference between a healthy boundary and then the shame message? Yeah. So let's say as a parent, for instance, you know, maybe you want your kids to wait for marriage for sex and that's, Uh that's the ideal, right? Uh But, and that's fine. We actually measured a number of different messages about waiting for marriage for sex. Uh And what we found is when you talk about it as something like, you know, sex is something sacred that God meant for marriage, that does not do any harm. It really doesn't. That's fine. Uh But when you say, if you have sex before marriage, you will ruin your chances of ever really truly connecting in the way that God wanted for you. Hmm. Yeah. Or when you say, you know, you will, you will create a soul tie with someone and you're always going to be connected to that person. And now you won't be able to bond properly with the person you marry mm-hmm. or that you're no longer pure. That's, that's when things get really problematic. And so yeah. messages that are aspirational about what God wants for us are fine. Messages that are threatening or yeah, fear-based, fear-based or not. Yeah. 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 I mean, that goes for all areas. Anytime we try to control our children with shame or control somebody else mm-hmm. with shame, it might have a short-term re- result, but the damage and the long-term result isn't really what we want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think you've already touched on this, this whole idea of aspirational, but how can we discuss sex without idealizing virginity and creating mm-hmm. that sexual anxiety? Yeah, because that's what we did is, is if you look at a lot of the resources that were out there for teenage girls, and even if you look at 
Instagram influencers that are talking to teenage girls right now, that is when they say purity, what they mean is virginity. Mm-hmm. And it's just so harmful because virginity is something which can be taken from you. Mm. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and to tell someone that if you're no longer a virgin, you're no longer pure, that, that's not even a gospel message. Yeah. Right? Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Mm-hmm. The old has passed away, the new has come. God does not idolize virginity. Mm-hmm. What God wants for us is for us to chastity, which is actually something very different. You can be mm-hmm. chaste and married and enjoying a great sex life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> chaste is just simply doing sex the way God intended, putting putting sex in its proper place. Oh, okay, and that's so, interesting. Yeah, so if we are, we, we should be we should be chasing after chastity our whole mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. whether we're married or single. It's just putting sex in its proper place. Yeah. And, and, and you can do that even if you are single and not a virgin, because Mm -hmm. you can say, all right, you know, I'm not happy about my last relationship. And so I'm just going to choose to do things differently. But, but what research has found and what we found in our research as well is when girls believe this all or nothing thinking, like it's virginity that matters Mm -hmm. rather than chastity, then Mm -hmm. once they, once their virginity is gone, there is no longer a reason to right. make wise decisions. Right. Because you've lost it all. Mm-hmm. But like, point, what does it matter? I'm just going to exactly. enjoy myself. I'm just going to make these choices. I'm just going to do it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we taught a whole generation of girls, especially millennial millennial girls, because they got it much worse than we did. They really did. Purity, you know, we we I think we were both a little bit older than mm-hmm. that. But anyway, mm-hmm. but we taught this whole generation of girls how to protect their virginity, and we never taught them how to protect themselves. Right. And that was really harmful. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, God wants our heart and he wants, mm-hmm. he wants intimacy with us and a relationship with us. And then for our decisions then to overflow from that. And if we're not, or if we're keeping these kind of like rules and not chasing after a relationship with God, like what's, what's mm-hmm. the point, you know, we're ticking the boxes to tick the boxes and then we don't end up with the fullness and the abundance that he wants for us. Yeah, and and what we what we've largely done as well is we have we have defined especially girls' faith in mm-hmm. terms of their sexual virginity in mm-hmm. in terms of what they do with their with yeah. with their sex lives, and God doesn't do that. Like God mm-hmm. says, "Hey, how are you treating the poor?" Yeah, God says, "Hey, you know, how are you loving those around you?" Mm-hmm. Like God does not say that our that our faith should be just this one little narrow focus. Yeah. God says that as we love Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit should flow out of us and that should impact every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. And faith is so much bigger yeah. <laughs> than just than just, you know, girls' virginity. And and yeah. we largely told girls that if you're not a virgin, you don't really believe or you're you're somehow less than. And we totally ignored everything else that went that yeah. went to do. Yeah, that had to do with faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as you mentioned that, I thought of Rahab. I mean, God was able to use her mightily, and she's in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. It had nothing to do with her virginity. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So younger people are getting married later and later. So what is a healthy way to date? I just remember for me growing up, I just, I was like, no one's ever going to wait for me. Like this was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. To me, how would I ever possibly find someone to like me enough to wait for me? And then, you know, how long do you mean like really if i get married 
in my 20s, 25, 28, 29. I mean, I got married, I think 25, I forget. But if you're getting married later in life, at least mm-hmm. in the younger, you know what I mean? Young, younger, not like 19, not right out of college or right out of what? How do you date in a healthy way? Because that to me was always the biggest obstacle, imagining what a healthy relationship would look like mm-hmm. in a godly way. I, I think the biggest thing is we need to look for character because too often, and we have a whole chapter on this since she deserves better, is how to recognize toxic people and how to choose good people to surround mm-hmm. yourselves with. Mm-hmm. Because often we think, well, as long as they're a Christian, they're okay. Mm. right? As long as they know their Bible, as long as they're going to church. I'm just looking for mm-hmm. someone who goes to church. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, there are an awful lot of people who go to church who are not living a spirit-filled life, who, mm-hmm. <laughs> who are not looking that good. And there's a lot of abusers in church circles too. Yeah. So what you're looking for is character and someone who is truly going to treat you well. And someone who's Mm -hmm. truly going to treat you well will honor your boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, figure out what your boundaries are. And it's okay to have good boundaries, whatever those might be. Mm -hmm. And then make sure that you have someone who honors your boundaries. And what I often tell people too is when you are dating, what you're really looking for is, is this person someone who fits with me? So they have to have good character and they have to fit with you because lots of people who have good character would not fit with you. Like they may be the best guy in the world, but you may find them boring as anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. They may be perfect for someone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, So you're looking for both of those things, someone who has good character and someone who fits with you. And the best way to figure that out is to focus on your relationship outside the bedroom because as soon as you as soon as you start having sex whatever you're going to feel closer than you actually are mm-hmm. and so that can mask a lot of things where you don't actually fit with one another mm-hmm. and, and and so that's why it's so important just to if you're going to date date deliberately don't just go out for dinner mm-hmm. go grocery shopping see how he is in a grocery store can he cook you know, yeah. is he open to learning? <laughs> you know, just do life together, mm-hmm. volunteer together, look after kids together, grab some nieces and nephews. Can he handle children? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. These kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best dates and the best time spent together is in reality, right? Like in yeah. the actual day to day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've adopted this idea of like, bring them in, like anybody who's dating my kids, bring them into our house and be with them as much as possible. Not because I'm trying to oversee them, but because this is who we are as a family and they need to be okay with it. And then the more time we spend with them, the more opportunity we we have to see red flags. If we need to sort exactly. of say, hey, hey, here's what I'm seeing. And then I don't really, you know, I'm not able to reconcile. What do you think about that? And so, yeah, I think that every day mundane is the best way. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting because that's quite the opposite of what Uh purity culture told us. Because purity culture told us that you couldn't Mm -hmm. date unless you were chaperoned. So you could never, you know, you could never do anything by yourself. Everything was always so choreographed uh, that you never really got to know what people were like. So I think just, yeah, just be there in the everyday. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a message that they had shown at my daughter's church about relationships. And the guy said something I thought was so good. He said, pay attention to how they treat people they don't like. Mm-hmm. Like who cares if they're nice to like the people they do like? What about, yeah. you know, somebody that they don't really want to be around? How do they treat them? Yeah. And that was, that was a good one for me to kind of be like, oh, that's good to look out for because you don't get the exposure when you're just doing 
these chaperone dates or if you're just doing just doing dinner, you don't get to see them interact in situations that are hard or difficult mm-hmm. or, or not ideal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does it look like to have a healthy conversation around modesty? Yes. So this was, it, it's interesting. When we, when we wrote The Great Sex Rescue two years ago, we found the number one message that hurt women the most was, was the idea that sex is an obligation. So you are obligated to give him sex when he wants it. And turning sex into an obligation just has all kinds of terrible repercussions and everything. We found another message that was just as harmful when given to teen girls, which is any form of the modesty message. We measured four different iterations of it in our survey mm-hmm. uh, for She Deserves Better. And when you tell girls, you know, you, you're responsible to dress so as not to be a stumbling block or a boy can't help but lust if it looks like a girl's trying to entice it, et cetera, et cetera. These things do tremendous damage and they're highly correlated with an increased chance of vaginismus which is a sexual pain disorder. Mm. We never talk about it. Everyone knows what erectile dysfunction is. This this right. bugs me to death. Everyone knows what erectile dysfunction is. Nobody's heard of vaginismus hardly. And yet it affects far more people under the age of 40 than erectile dysfunction does. We found wow. an incidence rate of 22.6% in the evangelical right. church. And is that 7%... tied to anxiety? What is that tied no, to? Not exactly. So it's, it's very complex, but... It's an involuntary, so no one's doing it on purpose, Mm -hmm. but the muscles of the vaginal wall contract and become really tight. And 22% of women experience pain, 7% to the point that penetration is impossible. And this is roughly two to two and a half times as high as the general population. So this is a problem that we have way more than the general population. And one of the things we were trying to figure out with our surveys is why. Right. And it's multifaceted. So it's not only our beliefs that can cause it. But what we found, for instance, is the obligation sex message. If if women believe it when they're married, um, their chance of experiencing vaginismus increases to almost the same statistical effect as if they'd been abused. Wow. So our bodies interpret obligation as trauma because sex is supposed to be something which is intimate, where both of you matter, where it's a deep knowing of each other. But if sex is an obligation, then you don't matter. Your needs matter. Your wants matter. Don't matter. None of that matters. And so it's an erasure of you as a person and our bodies interpret that as traumatic. And a Mm -hmm. similar thing happens with the modesty message. When we tell girls that boys are threatening, so you you will actually you are a threat to boys because your body is somehow bad and mm. what you wear can cause them to lose control mm. that essentially sets sex up as something which is threatening to you and so wow. our bodies naturally go okay i need to protect i need to protect her like our bodies are actually doing they're they're trying to be kind they're trying to protect us mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't work out that way And so we need to start talking about modesty in a very different way. Anytime we pair modesty with helping boys not sin, or we put the responsibility for boys' thoughts and or actions Mm -hmm. on girls, Mm -hmm. that isn't healthy. It's not Mm -hmm. biblical, and it hurts Mm -hmm. all of us. Yeah. So how do you make a healthy case for modesty? Yeah, so we have, and She Deserves Better, in our modesty chapter, we have some great 
activities that moms and daughters can do together to work mm-hmm. to work through other ways of talking about this that are more biblical. Because if you look at the First Timothy 2 passage about modesty, it's talking about expensive clothes. It's talking about not flaunting your wealth so that mm-hmm. people feel like they are included in a church situation. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk to our girls about how do we make sure that our clothing doesn't make other people feel excluded? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make other people feel less than. You know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about appropriateness. You know, like there are, if you're, if you're going to go tubing in the summer (laughs) on a lake, you don't want to be wearing a bathing suit that could fly off. Yes. (laughs) You want to be in something (laughs) which is going to stay sporty. Yeah. 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 Right. If you're, it's one thing to wear a cute little sundress if you're going out for ice cream. It's quite another thing to wear a cute little sundress if you're babysitting toddlers and you're going to be down on the ground with them. So let's Mm -hmm. just talk about what is appropriate. Mm, That's good. That's a better (laughs) conversation. Yeah. And then let's talk about issues of consent, um, Mm -hmm. how to be kind to other people. Like there are parts of our bodies that other people don't get to see unless they have consented to it, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to see any guy's crack in his butt. Like, I haven't (laughs) consented to see the crack in your butt. And so if you're showing me the crack in your butt, you're now violating my consent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? And so there's parts of of everyone's bodies that that they should not see, that people should not see without consenting to it first. So if you're wearing that in public, you're violating other people's consent. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's good. So, yeah. and we've all like been in situations just, where we're like, oh, I wish I could unsee that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and so let's just talk about not flaunting wealth. Let's talk about being mm-hmm. appropriate. Let's talk about being kind to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you, if there's a guy who really likes you and you're not interested in him at all, then don't dress to keep his eye because you like, like you like the attention, like let's yeah. just be kind to people. So yeah, yeah good. we can, we can talk about it that way instead. Mm-hmm. That's great. Do you think the modesty message has led to body shame? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And we definitely found that in our interviews. Let me give you an example. And this is this is one that Rebecca talked about when my co-authors on She Deserves Better. She's actually my daughter and she she's a psychometrics grad. So she designed all her surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was reading Brio magazine in, you know, 2006, seven kind of age. And Dana Gresh had written an article on how you need to wear pants where you can pinch an inch of fabric. If you can't pinch an inch of fabric, they're too tight. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem was my daughter's really curvy. She was not a big girl at all, but her hip to thought, like her hip to waist ratio <laughs> was very large because she had a yeah. really narrow waist and she had hips on her and she yeah. had thighs. And that was the time when you know, low rise jeans and we're really in, Mm -hmm. there were no loose pants. And so she could not pinch an inch, but some of her friends who were very different body types, they could pinch an inch. And so she felt like she was fat. Mm. And so she started eating a lot of the seeds and not eating full meals. And it really messed her up for a long time. And she's had, you know, she's had a lot of body image issues thinking that she was fat when she wasn't because of some of these rules mm-hmm. um or even even the issue of cleavage is a huge one right like mm-hmm. we have often told girls they're being immodest simply because they have large chests they're wearing mm-hmm. exactly the same thing as everybody else right. but they just fill it out more and then especially if this happens early mm-hmm. you know if they're 12 years old and they start developing they're often singled out for modesty infractions or dress code mm-hmm. infractions when they're not, they're just simply curvy and they're told they are stumbling blocks because mm-hmm. they have a larger chest mm-hmm. and it's really harmful. 
Yeah. I, you know, I was the other day I was at a spa and it was interesting to see the older women were fine getting dressed in front of each other, but the younger women, not so much. These are our bodies, even among women in a, in a changing room, the fact that we would be ashamed, you know, I, I just found startling. And I wonder, and that's when I was starting to think about your message about modesty and have, are, are people hiding their body shame behind the modesty term? You know, mm-hmm. they don't even realize mm-hmm. it. They're they're so uncomfortable with their body because of this message that they they can't even, you know, go to a spa without feeling yeah. uncomfortable. I think yeah. that's a shame. Especially yeah, well, when it, you like think of other cultures and how mm-hmm. they approach it very differently. Yeah. And there's another side to this too, which is, you know, if we're taught that all guys, you know, struggle with lust and all guys if you if you're dressed a certain way, you're going to be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Well, then if you're not a stumbling block, if you're not <laughs> causing guys to lust, you start to think that there's something wrong with me, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. so it's like our bodies. It's bad if our bodies cause people to lust, but then if they don't cause people to lust, then our bodies don't measure up. So it's it's just a very toxic message, no matter how we, how you put it. Yeah, yeah. So how can we heal from these toxic teachings? Because I'm sure, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that as people listen to this, that they're identifying some of the things that that has caused them anxiety. How do we mm-hmm. walk away from that in freedom? You know, one of the big things that we learned in our, in our surveys for She Deserves Better is that information is never a bad thing. Information mm-hmm. is good. And the more we know, the better we are. So let me just do sex ed as an example. Mm-hmm. The more girls understood about consent, the more words they knew when they graduated high school, the younger they knew that female orgasms existed, the better they did long term. They were less likely to marry abusers. They were less likely to get assaulted. They were more likely to make good decisions around sexual partners. They were, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it did not have any negative effects. Wow. But we have largely, uh, tried to keep girls in line with Mm. threats either with threats with fear tactics with bribes if you wait till you're married you're gonna have the best sex life ever which doesn't work (laughs) or with just simply ignorance you know the more that they know the more likely they are to do things not true it's actually the opposite is true right and so i think just giving us permission to be women again Mm -hmm. it's okay to know about your body It's okay to know how your body works. It's okay to be comfortable in your body. It's okay to be comfortable with your emotions. Like like you are allowed to be you. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And what we have been taught so much in the church is your emotions are bad. If you feel anything other than happiness, that's bad. Knowing too much about your body is bad. (laughs) You know, having a body that causes boys to lust is bad. And it's like, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And and so the more that we can get comfortable with who we are, the better. So, you know, I know a lot of people are reading She Deserves Better, even that aren't moms, just because like, this is what I should have been told when I was a teenager. And it's really healing for that. But it's okay to mourn what you lost. It's okay to mourn and say, yeah, I I had a lot of toxic messages growing up and I don't want to do that to my kids. Mm-hmm. And I also I also want to feel like, hey, little me, <laughs> you know, you deserved better than this. 
you deserve better than this. And I'm sorry that this happened to you. Mm-hmm. And maybe we all need to go through just a period of lament and grief because that can be healing too. Mm-hmm. And say, but but the cycle's going to stop now. The cycle's yeah. going to stop now. And we're going to stop with the shame messages. And we're going to start with freedom instead. Mm-hmm. That's so good. All right. If you could sum up what you hope for the readers that read this, what would it be? Oh, just that that your daughters need your permission to be big and you need your own permission to be big mm-hmm. because we have often been told you need to be small. Don't take up space. Don't be loud. Don't talk too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't, don't have boundaries and your daughter needs your permission to be big. To take to 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 soar to do all the things that God wants for her to keep mm-hmm. herself safe, yeah. But the best way that she could be big is if you let yourself be big too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was incredible. Yeah. Thank you. You can find Sheila at BearMarriage.com. She's on Instagram as Sheila Gregoire. You can also find her at GreatSexRescue.com. I'll link to that, plus where you can find her and all the other places, plus her book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.